Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Straight into it, because uh, because I think you know you haven't been gathering together for a while, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep this brief and compelling, as as per the right. It'll be a beautiful sermon in line with the beautiful life, is the intent. Uh, and so the first statement that that I want to look at is a statement found in John chapter eleven. Jesus says, "I am the resurrection and the life." And I think the statement that we so often make in in contrast to that, whether we we do it intentionally or not, is we say the someday life, right? Here's the, here's the context for, for the statement. I think you'll understand a little bit of, of what I mean. The context for, for when Jesus makes this statement is Jesus's friend Lazarus is sick. He's, he's a good friend of Jesus and, and uh, Jesus was friends with Lazarus and, and, and his, his sisters Mary and Martha. They're kind of some of, some of Jesus's staple guys that, that he spends time with and, and, and hangs out with. And, and so Martha, the, the sister of Lazarus, sends a message to Jesus saying, Jesus, your, your friend, your brother Lazarus is sick. You need to come and to, to intercede in some way. You need to come and do something because this is not looking like it's going to go the way that we want it to go. But, but it's, it's a while before Jesus makes it there. And so by the time that Jesus arrives, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Not a good start to the, to the story. And, and so Martha, Lazarus's sister, she, she greets Jesus and she says this, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus replied, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, uh, I, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. She's saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I, I get it. I know that even though we lose him now, we'll see him later. She's in a place that I think so many of us can be with our faith, which isn't a bad place to be, but it's a limited place to be where our faith is, it's a fix at the end. It's a solution for later. She's saying, Jesus, if you were here, Lazarus would still be alive. And I know one day we'll see him in the, in the end of days when, you know, they didn't have a, a concept like we do of, of, of heaven and, and, and a new earth and new heaven like, like we do now. But they had this Jewish concept of, of, of the dead being raised from the grave. And she's like, I get that that'll happen one day, but, but I'm missing him here and now. And, and Jesus replies, you don't have to wait for the end. But he comes in direct contradiction to kind of what she's saying, which is a true statement. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. Matthew, you don't have to wait to the end. I am right now resurrection and life. He goes on and he says, the one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? See, Jesus is saying here, you don't have to wait until someday to have life. It's available now, which is all well and good, except... Lazarus is, you know, he's still, he's still dead. And it's like, oh, that's very encouraging that you have life. I don't know what that means, and, and, and that's all great, but my brother is dead because you didn't show up on time, and so it's still kind of a bit of a hard situation. And so he, Jesus finishes, if we jump to verse 43, then he shouts, Lazarus, come out, and he came out. Lazarus comes out of the grave, raised to life, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe with a kerchief over his face. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him loose. Now, now, what I want to focus in on is, is the statement that Jesus makes here. This story is amazing, and there's plenty to unpack that we won't, won't really touch today. But I want to look at the statement. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Right? It's, it's an interesting statement. Because uh, is that not the same thing? Right? Like if someone is dead, they are not. We can try that one more time. I know it's, it's early in the morning. Many of you are used to sleeping until 11. Right? If someone is dead, that means that they are not. There you go, right? We're sharp in 2022. And, and so when he says resurrection, it's bringing back to life and the life. It's like, well, it's just, just kind of emphasizing. Like, he's like, no, Martha, I'm really, I'm alive, alive. Like, this is double. We're, we're, we're excited about this. Is he saying the same thing twice in different ways for them to see? I don't, I don't believe so. I think he's saying two things. I just think he's saying, if you believe in me, you'll have life. And if you believe in me, you'll never die. He's talking about two different things. The first thing that he's talking about is resurrection. Right, that, that Jesus defeated death, that because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and he's speaking in advance of what he's gonna do because Jesus is Jesus, right? That it has no sting, that, that in, because of Jesus' atoning sacrifice for our sins, we can spend eternity with, with God. But I think the bit that's often glossed over is that Jesus also offers us life now. That our faith is not just a, a get into heaven sort of entry card. Because I think it's possible for us as people of faith to live like a zombie, right? Alive but dead. To, to live this life where, where we're waiting for death so that we can finally start living. Like I'm just getting through it. I'm just getting through my time here. I'm just waiting for the end so that I can finally begin. But I think for Jesus, it's much more than that because that's not a beautiful life, right? No one's gonna look at us if we're like, hey, look, I'm just surviving through life until I can finally die and things get good. No one's gonna look at that approach to life and be like, man, I am compelled towards your side of life. It's a beautiful life, just wasting away there, just waiting for the moment that, that you can die. Because if we think about it, if all Jesus is talking about is a someday life, then logically it would have been kinder to leave Lazarus dead, right? Like if the, if the goal of life in a morbid way is to die so that you can go to heaven, then, then Lazarus is like, he's jumped the queue. If earth is just this, this divine cosmic waiting room to get to the afterlife, then Lazarus got lucky and he got to, to cut in front of a bunch of other people who are really old and be like, man, I'm still waiting to die. And Lazarus got sick and died. That's not fair. And so then it would be mean of Jesus, right? If Lazarus is up there in heaven and he's partying, he's like, yeah, it's amazing. Jesus is like, psych, back, yank into your body. Welcome to earth. You got to stick it out for some more years, right? That would be mean. That would be unkind if all we were here for was to one day die. But, but if life here and now can have something of the divine in it now, if we can bring something of, of heaven to earth, then there is something to bring Lazarus back for. See, it's the resurrection and the life. Jesus died and rose again for us to live in eternity and for us to live now. And not just for us to live, like walk around and have our hearts beating in our chest and that kind of thing, but to really live, to live an abundant life, to live a true life, to live a good life, to, to live a beautiful life. And that might mean that for some of us, there are things in us that God wants to bring resurrection to. There might be hopes and dreams, aspirations. There might be trust in people. There might be relationships. These things that make life compelling, that make life worth living, that bring flavor and color to life, that have died in us, that Jesus would meet us in this moment and say, I've come to bring resurrection and life. I've come to raise you one day into eternity, but I've also come to raise those things in you that are dead here and now to bring transformation here and now, that you are not just waiting to die, but something of heaven can be established here on earth, that we could have the breath of God breathed into us, not just a first time when we're created, but continuously reanimating us, bringing us life, that we could not only know resurrection, but also life now. 
Like that's the type of life that I think is so beautiful, so, so good, so exemplary, so compelling that it would point people to God. That they would see the lives that we are living, a life in step with God, a life trusting in God, a life in which the things in us that are dead are raised back to life in what can only be described as a miracle, in which relationships are restored, in which dreams are restored, in which, in which hurt is healed, in which transformation is brought to us, in which we live a life that goes beyond what we can do in our own ability. Now, so there's something about that. That person's more than just a good person. That person's more than just a nice person. There's something compelling about their life. The, the second statement that I want to look at is, is found in John chapter 6. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And I believe the statement that we make in contrast to this is, is I'm just surviving life. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever said this, if you've thought it, you've ever been a student, right? I mean, I'm just getting through. White bread and, and two-minute noodles is, is sustaining me, right? Me Goring's is, is my life. I just found Shin Ramen, which you can only buy from the warehouse, and it's a level up. I just want to let you know, if you're looking to change up your, your, uh, your Me Goring, your ramen game, Shin Ramen from the warehouse is, uh, is where it's at. Um, so that, that's just, just for free, equipping you for life through faith in Jesus Christ and through instant noodle recommendations, right? Or add it on later on in the week. But, but hear the statement that I'm, I'm the bread of life. There's, there's a lot of subtext going on here. In, in, in John chapter 6, the people are actually chasing after Jesus. When Jesus makes the statement, they're chasing after him. And they're chasing after him because they want to make him king. They want to make him king because he just fed the 5,000. Now, you might be thinking, I, I love a free feed, right? Like, I'm all about free food. But it's, it's a big jump to be like, hey, look, you gave me lunch. Now I want to make you king. I, I think we'll all agree. Sometimes when someone shouts me some food, that's how I feel in the moment. But that feeling doesn't last beyond me kind of eating the food. I, I'm eating the food and I'm like, I will make you king of my life. I finish the meal. I'm like, maybe not king of my life, but I will say a thank you very much, right? It, it's, it's a sliding scale. But here they are. They're, they're wanting to make him king quite a bit after he's fed them. And they're wanting to make him king for a, for a bunch of, or for a big reason made up of a, a bunch of small parts. Like to establish what's happening here, number one, you might remember the Jewish people are enslaved by the Romans, right? They're under Roman rule. Num number two, the Jewish people are in a state of mind of waiting for their kingdom, the Jewish kingdom to come. So they're enslaved by the Romans, but they're not accepting that this is how it's going to be forever. They're, they're believing that at some stage, they're going to become their own nation, their own kingdom again. And this is a story they've been telling themselves for generations. Since Solomon, really, they've been under foreign rule. It was Babylonian, then Persian, then Greek, and now Roman. And they're waiting for the Messiah to come as prophesied to free them and establish the kingdom that they think of the Jewish people. Number three, so they're, they're under rule. They don't want to be, which is fair enough if you're kind of enslaved and subjugated. Number three, the way that the Romans keep them under control is, is their rations. Right, the, the Romans would provide the Jewish people with food as their payment for, for the jobs that they were doing. It wasn't really payment, they were slaves. So it was like, you feed your slaves or else they die. So the Romans were doing the bare minimum. There's no points to the Romans in this, in this story. Right? And, and they would provide them with food, but they would provide them with 1,600 calories per Jewish man per day. Now it's recommended that you know, to be a healthy adult, you eat around 2,700 calories. Now, I'm, I'm an overachiever, so I try and eat more than that every single day. But that's not what my doctor tells me I should do. Uh, but 2,700 calories is kind of the, the standard minimum that we would say in the Western world. So when the, the Romans are feeding the Jewish people 1,600 calories, every day the Jewish people are hungry. 
every day they're, they're underfed, they're malnourished. And the reason for that is the Romans are feeding them just enough food to get their jobs done. Just enough food to be good slaves to the Roman people, but not enough food that at the end of a day of, of backbreaking labor, they have any energy to, to plan a revolution that they have any energy to band together and to think of anything else. They're just subsisting. They're just surviving day to day. And to, to round out what's happening here, this food was given to the Jewish people by the Romans more often than not in the form of bread. Because bread survived, bread stayed. Fish and, and chicken, they didn't have fridges, would go off. And, and so they could give them bread once a, uh, a week or so and, and it would stay good. And so then into this situation, Jesus feeds these people, right? Jesus feeds these people who have been subjugated, longing for a Jewish kingdom, controlled through food with bread in the feeding of the 5,000, but not just bread, bread that they ate there full of, right? Bread that they ate for the first time potentially in their lives, and they had more than enough to eat, that there were leftovers, right? We read the story of the feeding of 5,000, the leftovers is like a, a nice little kind of seasoning on top, right? Oh, that's a fun little uh, addition, a fun little bit to add, right? But, but for the Jewish people who are in this moment, that was the whole point. He fed us and there were leftovers, right? They're, they're leaving this, this moment and they're turning to each other and they're like, have you ever had leftovers before in your entire life? Right? Like, do you realize we ate enough and we have more than enough left over? I've got energy today at the end of the day to have a conversation about something, that we can dream about something, we can hope about something, that we're not just getting through this day. And so as a result of Jesus meeting them, feeding them, and there being food left over, they want to make Him king because they want to rebel. See, and so this is the context in which they're chasing after Jesus. Let's, let's read, turn with me to John chapter 6. I'm going to read verse uh, 22 to 38 because I think the, the scripture speaks for itself. It says this, the next day, this is after Jesus had fed them, the crowd that was left behind realized that there had been only one boat and that Jesus had not gotten into it with his disciples. They had seen them go off without him. Long story short, they realized that Jesus is not there. They thought he was. They thought that they knew where he was, but Jesus is not where they thought he was. So by now, the boats from Tiberias had pulled up near where they had eaten the bread blessed by the master. So when the crowd realized he was gone and wasn't coming back, they piled into the Tiberias boats and headed for Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him back across the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, you come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you, filled your stomachs, and for free. Don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you, food that nourishes your lasting life, food that the Son of Man provides. He and what He does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. To that they said, well, what do we do then to get in, get in on God's works? Jesus said, throw in your lot with the one that God has sent. That kind of a commitment gets you in on God's work. Paraphrase, he's saying, follow me. Come with me. And they waffled, right? They didn't like this response. They waffled. Oh, well, why, don't you, why don't you give us a clue uh, about who you are? Just a, a hint of, of what's going on. Uh, we, when we see what's up, we'll commit ourselves. Uh, show us what, what you can do. Moses, Moses fed our ancestors with bread in the desert. It says so in the scriptures, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're saying, look, we don't want to follow you. We just want some more bread. We're not interested in your whole gospel thing. We're not interested in your preaching. We just want you to be our divine baker. If you can get us some more bread, we will be stoked. How do we get some bread? Jesus responds, the real significance of that scripture is not that Moses gave you bread from heaven, but that my Father is right now offering you bread from heaven, the real bread. 
The bread of God came down out of heaven and is giving life to the world. They jumped at that. Master, give us this bread now and forever. They're like, yeah, food. We're on the same page. You want to give us food? We want to eat food. This sounds good. To which Jesus responds, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. I've told you this explicitly because even though you've seen me in action, you don't really believe me. So here we are, we have these people chasing after Jesus, trying to make him king because he can facilitate their rebellion with magic bread. And and he says to them, I know why you're here. You're here because I fed you. And so they change tack a little. They kind of try and trick him into giving him some some more food. They start, Moses, Moses fed our ancestors with bread in the desert. They're talking about manna, right? And and manna is the source of food that would appear on the ground every morning while the Israelites were in the desert would be harvested and baked into cakes. And this is exactly what they want. They're like, we don't care about food for tomorrow. We want food for today. Give us food that we can eat now. Make sure that we're fed now. But they're missing the point just like Martha did with her someday. Because Jesus didn't come just to bring us life after death. And he didn't come just to feed us manna. Because even though Moses gave the people manna, people still died. It was still hard. People just got by. Manna at the time was great, but it was just bread. It perished. It went. Jesus offers the bread of, of life. See, I'm almost done. In fact, I'll get the band to, to come up with me. But today I want to ask, are we asking God for something that could help us just get by when we could be asking God for something to help us thrive? Uh, I, I want to say that again. Today, are we asking God for something that could help us just get by when we could be asking God for something to help us thrive? Now, I want to be clear, I'm not, I'm not preaching like a prosperity gospel. Right? I'm not saying that as Christians we will never uh, be sad, that we will never struggle, that we will never want. I'm not saying there won't be hard times. I'm not saying that sometimes all we can manage to pray is, God, just help me to make it through this day. But I am saying if we're not in that place, what are we praying for? And if we are in that place, maybe to get out of that place, we need to pray for something more. Right, I am saying that as Christians, do we sometimes pray for too little? Could it be that, that God is offering us bread, life-giving bread, bread that frees us from bondage, that, that opens up our lives, that fills our soul's hunger? He's offering that to us in our responses. Do you have any mana? Like rather than a big change, rather than something to, to address the root of the problems and the hurt in my life, do you have something that would just make me feel all right for today? Do you, do you have a, just a plaster to cover it over? Just something to take my attention off of it for a moment, just a, just a quick fix that I can feel all right, but I don't have to do any of the hard work. See, mana would feed them in the moment and cost them nothing. The bread of life would mean that they would have to lay down their lives, follow after Jesus, that it would cost them more than maybe they were willing but it would give them more than they could ever imagine. See, I think so often if we only ever think that God will give us mana, we'll only ever behave like we need mana. If we only ever think that God can give us mana, that God's only a God that does mana, that is a quick fix in the in-between sort of God, not a transformational bread of life sort of God, then we'll only ever behave like we need mana from God, and so we'll only ever ask for mana. We'll never dream big dreams. We'll never take big risks. We'll never go big. We'll never change the world because we're simply struggling to survive. Or we bargain with Jesus. Jesus, if you just give me what I think I need, I'll do what you say. 
forgive me what I think I need, emphasis on what I think I need, which isn't always the same thing as what we actually need. Give me what I think I need, and then I'll do what you say. God, give me the promotion, and then I'll start. God, give me the breakthrough. God, give me this, whatever it is, and it could be a good thing, but give it to me. Give me what I think that I need, and, and then I'll do what you say, but, but it's what we've decided that we need. When maybe what we really need is to trust God, to not approach Him as a divine baker, but to approach Him as Lord and King. To not come to Him and say, God, I figured it out. I just need some mana. I just need some food to get me through the day. But to approach Him and say, God, You are my Lord. You are my King. What do You think that I need? God, would You provide me with my needs as You see them, not as I do? Could it be that we're asking for mana when we could be trusting in the bread of life? And if so, what would it look like for you to change that? Church, I'm done. His head's about as, as eyes are closed. I believe our lives tell a story. Right? And it's easy for that story to be, I'm just gonna get by on this mana until God comes back. I'm just gonna last and, until the resurrection happens. I'm just a Sunday sort of faith. Earth is just a divine waiting room. God, and if you can make it a little bit more comfortable while I wait with some mana, that would be wonderful. But I'm not gonna change anything. I'm not doing anything big. I'm not expecting to thrive here and now because it's just waiting and I'm just getting by. It's just a someday faith and I'm just surviving. To which I believe Jesus would say to us, I am the resurrection and the life and I am the bread of life. It's not a someday faith, it's a here and now faith. It's not a surviving faith, it's a trusting in the bread of life faith that we could be telling a different story a story of thriving on the bread of life, a story of living an eternally filled life right now. That like Peter encourages us to, we could live an exemplary life, a good life, a beautiful life in our neighborhoods so that our actions will refute people's prejudices so that they will be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when He arrives. Ted's about his eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and you've heard me talking about this Jesus. This Jesus who wants to meet you here and now, but also has life for you in eternity. The good news that we wanna share every week is that God came for you, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that we can accept that sacrifice. Friend, if you're here today and you know that you haven't been trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that, that you haven't given your life over to Him, maybe you have once, but you know you've taken it back or maybe you've never made that decision. Wherever you might be on that, that continuum, you're here today and you know you wanna leave in a different place with Jesus and you walked in. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wanna remind you or let you know for the first time that Jesus loves you, that He loves you so much that He has already come and given His life on a cross for you so that if you were willing to accept His sacrifice, He would be ready, He would be there. There's nothing more that He can do. The ball is in your court to simply decide, will I trust in myself as my Lord and God or will I trust in Jesus? Who sits on the throne in my life? Who do I trust when the going gets tough? Who gives me meaning? Who do I have faith in for my eternity? So His head's about, His eyes are closed. If you're here today and you're saying, John, I wanna pray a prayer to begin a journey of following Jesus or to resume a journey of following Jesus, to trust Him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, in a moment, I'm gonna to count to three and I'd like you to raise your hand. Not that raising your hand is, is, is magical or, or special in any way, but it's the first moment of a, 
of an active dedication of a life lived following after Jesus, of you saying, I wanna trust someone other than me, a moment you can look back on and say, no, I raised my hand. I prayed a prayer. I'm living a life in pursuit of Jesus. I'm trusting Him as my Lord and Savior. So if that's you, heads about, eyes are closed. Why don't you raise your hand in three, two, one. Even if that's you, why don't you raise your hand up nice and high. Heads about, eyes are closed. Awesome, I just want to give it a, a moment longer. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand up. So good. So the church, can you repeat this prayer after me? Jesus, today I choose to trust you. Today I turn from every other God. They're too small and they're not like you. I take my faith and I put it in you. I love you. Thank you. Be my Lord. Be my God. In Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, we're gonna we're gonna finish with a song. In fact, maybe we'll we'll go into a bit of a time of worship and and just wait on God. I preach pretty short, so I, I feel like I earned that. I wanted some more worship. But just before we do, you know, maybe you're here today and, and you can relate to that feeling of getting by on mana. You can relate on that feeling of just it's kind of just a day to day. Life feels like maybe you're just kind of treading water, just keeping your your head above and. And, and you can relate with that feeling of, of there's more, that, that, that you need life. Maybe today could I encourage you, could this be a year in which you expand what you're believing for? Could this be a year in which you go believe, beyond just believing for subsistence, beyond just believing that you're gonna survive day to day, to believing that this is a year in which you can thrive. But, but maybe for that to, to happen, you might need to change how you're approaching God that you can believe for just a surviving life when God's just a divine baker, just giving you enough to get by. But to believe for a thriving life, it might mean that you need to trust God for what you need, that you would trust God that He knows what you need. That you don't need to necessarily come to Him with a laundry list, that you don't need to, to knock down His door about everything. I'm not saying we don't pray, I'm not saying we don't ask, but, but realizing that it's not in your strength to make it happen, but that God is a true God, that God is a good God, and that you can trust Him not just as a, as a divine baker, but as Lord and King. Maybe for you, 2022 is the year in which you stop, ask, stop telling God what you need and you start asking God, what do I need? I'll say it again, maybe for you, if it's been too much of just surviving, just getting by, maybe the answer is for you in 2022, you stop telling God what you need and you start asking Him, God, what do I need? Maybe you're here today and, and you can relate to the other side of that story, that you feel like part of your life is dead. You don't want it to feel like it's just a, a divine waiting room, this life on earth. But, but if you're honest, there are things in your life that, that you feel were from God, but have died. And you feel like Martha coming into the room saying, Jesus, I don't know where you were when this died, but, but it's dead. And, and I just, I feel, to be honest, I'm offended with you, Jesus. I'm mad that this thing died when I feel like it didn't need to. Maybe today Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of that hardship, in the middle of that pain and breathe life back into that dead thing. That that dream might be your Lazarus. That that hope might be your Lazarus. That that relationship might be your Lazarus. That that trust might be your Lazarus. Maybe the thing that you need revitalizing, resurrecting in you is simply the ability to trust God. And so you come to Him today and you say, God, I want to believe. Help me in my unbelief. 
Help me to believe that you are able and willing. Church, why don't you stand to your feet? Wherever we're at today, we don't have to wait till the end. Like Jesus said to Martha, we don't have to wait till the end. Jesus is the resurrection and the life here and now. We don't have to subsist on manna. Jesus is the bread of life. So whatever need we might have as we sing the song of worship to God, I pray that you would bring it to Him, that you would lay it down. If if it's a, God, I bring my attitude and my approach and I'm no longer telling you what I need, I'm asking, do that business with God. If it's a moment of saying, God, I've got these things in me that are dead, that are dried up, that are shriveled, and I truly believe that you wanna breathe back into them, then bring them to Him, lay them down and believe that God is a God of miraculous. And finally, if those two things are too hard for you, but I don't know if I can do that on my own, I don't know if I can, I just don't, I don't feel, God feels far away, then the altar will be open. And if you want someone to simply stand with you and maybe pray the prayer that you can't yet, we would love to do that with you, church. Whatever it is, let's respond in the way that God is bringing us to respond. Let's hear His voice and let's move out of here closer than when we came in. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.